0: Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I feel like this morning has really prepared um, the way for what I feel to share this morning and what I feel God's put on my heart and what he's been speaking to. Ooh, I I dipped for a second. Um, And that's the thing. This is very much what God's sort of talking to me about at the moment. And so I'm really encouraged in the Lord in this area and I want to be able to give that to you this morning because I feel like I'm not the only one that's going through um, a kind of season of um, everything sort of on the line (laughs) and all of the um, creature comforts, the things that we used to be able to rely on, maybe we can't rely on anymore Um, and that can feel scary and hard but it's also the the best opportunity. I also feel like a lot of people are waiting for something new Um, and this is a scary new but it's a new nonetheless Um, and it's a new in God which is the best kind of new that we can desire and ask for. Last week um, we touched on having God dependence and that really started to spur this message inside of me. As I said God had already been moving but I felt like you know, I knew in my mind, I was like, right, this is the journey we're on right now as a church is learning this God dependence, because I think there is a shaking that's happening. Um, it says in the word that everything that, will be sh- that can be shaken will be shaken, but the kingdom that we have in God cannot be shaken. And it's eternal. And I love that because there are things that God has put inside of you as a living flesh and body blood person that cannot be shaken because there are eternal things inside of you that he's placed inside of you. So you might feel like every fiber of your being is being stretched, um, but there are eternal, unshakable things inside of you that cannot be taken by any hardship that the world brings. And so naturally, we're going to look at Job this morning. (laughs) I'm just going to have a sip of water. If you don't know the story of Job, we're not going to go into it because it's big and I think you deserve to get from it what God wants to show you. So I'm going to ask that you go read it, be enlightened, have fun. Um, it's a wild ride. It is a wild ride. But essentially, to give you a, a recap, Satan says to God, um, or God, is, God is really proud of Job And he has this sentence, have you seen my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth. And Satan comes along and says, you know what God, I think Job just loves you because you give him stuff. You give him good things and that's the only reason why he's faithful to you. And so I don't think God's challenged. (laughs) It's an interesting book of the Bible, right? If anyone has a full grip on Job, well done, I guess. But I think a lot of us are like, hmm, this one's a bit contentious. If we show new people that are new to the faith, this book, they might, you know, yeah, freak out, be like, who's God now? I thought I sort of knew who he was, but who is he now? So essentially what happens is God allows Satan to bring suffering on Job, our worst nightmare, right? And, and Job... Joe Benjoo is crazy suffering, death in his family, he loses, he loses his income, he loses his emotional support, um, and he loses a lot of physical health. He's covered in boils. I had one boil once. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Like, I'm sharing that. I, I had a really low immune time. <laughs> what a way to say it my immunity was really shot and I got one boil and I remember thinking wow imagine being covered in these like this is enough for me when your body is completely depleted that yeah anyway boils ill um so so it would just be so uncomfortable let alone everything else that's making you uncomfortable just the boils the boils alone So, um, what ends up happening to Job is that he has these three friends (laughs) that come. Um, Three friends that, you know, imagine they show up with like some melting moments, ready to have a cuppa. And then they just start like, Job, what have you done that has caused this to happen in your life? And they're, they're really using Job as a bouncing board of like, who, who is God? I thought he was like this. I thought if you did good things, then you'd have a good life. So what's actually going on here? Have you secretly done bad things that we don't know about? And they're really questioning Job in this instance. And, and they're like... you you should forget all of this. It's really not working out for you. Like, you, you're you faithful to God, but it's really not working out. I think it's time to toss it um, because, you know, their faith is being tested. Their image of God is being tested. And I, I would believe that some people in this room have had a very similar experience. You're people of faith, you trust in God and you profess His goodness, yet bad things have happened and people have asked, why do you even care about God when He obviously doesn't care for you in this situation? But we know that that's in in some of the chapters, but there's more chapters to come, right? It's because it's neatly put in the Bible. If we're really you know, struggling with the the weight of what Job's going through, we can skip the chapters and look for when God vindicates him at the end, if it's too uncomfortable for us. <laughs> We're like, come on God, I know, I know you come through for him in the end. <laughs> and And God does restore Job, and we know that he adds, he gives back, but he also adds more on top of everything that Job has lost. But, um, I listened to, there's this great teacher, Timothy Keller. I've read some of his books, and he talks about this. And he was talking about Job and how necessary it is in the scheme of the whole Bible. He said this book, along with Ecclesiastes, is a welcome balance to books like that of Proverbs. Because Proverbs is very much... Lots of little teachings of if you do this, you will see this happen. If you are faithful in this, if you stay, um, if you ask for wisdom, if you, if you forego these things in life, you'll get to enjoy these things. But um, our life isn't such a formula as that. If we only ever read Proverbs, we'd be a little bit disheartened because we'd be like, I'm doing all of these things, where did I go wrong? And we're looking for where we did something that caused the not good thing to come in. And happen. So Job is a beautiful instance and encouragement to us where something really bad happened to someone that had been doing only good. And he held on to the good through the bad and then God who is always good was able to come through for him and, and bless him and, and, um, and lift Job up once again. And so yes, it's a book of suffering And a lot of us, I think, know suffering all too well. The beautiful thing is that Jesus too knows suffering. It says in Isaiah 53, what he went through. I've got a little list here. And I think um, when you don't know suffering, what Jesus went through can feel a little bit distanced, you know, from from what our experience is. And yet, When you're in a dark time or you're in suffering, you read these stories of suffering and it's hope to your soul, isn't it? We read in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was despised and rejected. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Are you familiar with pain? He was pierced and crushed for us. He was oppressed and afflicted and he was judged. And it's it's a list of things that we'd never ask to be. <laughs> Despised, rejected, familiar with pain, pierced, crushed, oppressed, afflicted, judged. Things that we'd never ask for ourselves, let alone for our saviour. So he knows the experience all too well. And that's a comfort to us. <laughs> yeah, it says in Revelation 21.4, I have this one, Jesse. I told Jesse I have some scriptures, but not all of them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And this is what we have to look forward to. There is a time that comes where the suffering is taken from us and we're never to see it again. And that's our eternal hope in what what God has for us. Um... I also heard Timothy Keller talk about Job and he said, he said, yes, Job complained a lot. He grumbled a lot. He didn't always have something nice to say of God when he was seeing the darkness and the pain, right? And yet why did God vindicate him if he'd sort of um, tarnished God's reputation a little bit? (laughs) And I think that that's, anyway, and he said it's because Job remained in prayer. These things were not happening outside of God's presence. Job complained. He grumbled. He was honest about how he felt. He said, I am not sure how much longer I can do this. And yet he did that conversation with the Lord. I think that's, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. But I think God makes an exception that we can pray with grumbling and complaining because it's the right place for us to bear our heart. It's the right place for us to pour out everything that's bitter, all of the resentment that we might have, all of our pain, our our insecurity, our fear, our pride. It's the right place for that to, yeah, dad just said the Psalms is full of it and that's true. The the Psalms are a great... um, a great example of, you're like, I'm not sure he should be saying this. I'm not sure that this should make it into the Word of God. Like, isn't God too worried about his reputation being questioned to really include this in his Word? And yet, you know, we're welcomed to ask of God, like, are you actually who you say you are? Are you actually faithful? Will you actually deliver me? Will you actually um, show me your goodness? And and he, he says, you know, ask this of me, Maybe don't go around asking it of other people. Maybe don't go around um, tarnishing his name because we are ambassadors of who he is on earth. But to ask it of him, you are welcome. And it's not that he's quick to defend himself. He loves you that much that he wants you to see just how good he is. He's a good father. I love that God isn't quick to defend himself, right? When people are saying, you know, Sure, you should just turn your back. God doesn't come down and, like, strike them dead <laughs> in, in that moment. Um, God, God is patient too. I want to look at Psalm 28 because I love this one. If you want to go there with me. And this is sort of the, um, I think Uncle Adrian, did you read this out last week? That's why it was in my brain. And it starts... To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Um, And then it goes on. He's saying, do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially, 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 um, with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds And, and... David's slipping into this um, bad people deserve bad things, and good people deserve good things sort of mindset. He's like, they've done bad, they've done evil, so repay their their deeds with evil. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve, God, because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done. And so he will tear down and never build them up again. (laughs) And he slips back into praising now. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I pray him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. What I look for in psalms like this, in, in passages of scripture like this, I look for faith without the answer. <laughs> I look for people waiting, and their answer is God himself, not the solution they're looking for. And this is a psalm of that. Because when people are watching your life and watching your faith, they will look for you asking God and him delivering exactly what you asked. And that's their measure of should I really give my life over to God, right? Um, Zach and I have had this with people in our life that don't believe in God. They've looked at situations and they're like, I know you're praying about this, but I haven't seen God answer it yet. And, And they're like wondering, is God real in this time? Because God hasn't done the thing that Zach and Chelsea are asking for. And so what's the point of all of this if, if the, the answer hasn't come? But I think God's always got better than our solution. <laughs> yes, amen, <laughs> always. And so this last bit, um, verses 6 to 8. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. So we're praising God because he hears us, not because he has done what we asked of him. And then he says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. So he gives me strength when I'm weak and he shields me from the lies of the enemy, from the the naysayers, from people that have got an opinion that um, downgrades God in my eyes. Right. He shields me from that. my my heart trusts in him and he helps me my heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him again the Lord is the strength of his people a fortress of salvation the praise comes without the answer being revealed right or the answer is God is God saying I'm here I will strengthen you I'll shield you in this time but God hasn't necessarily done what we're asking of him but to be honest, I think in, in some of the hardest things that I've gone through, all I need is his comfort to know that I'll be all right. All I need is his assurance, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Um, once you've got that, you're like, I could do anything with you, God. I could face anything with you just knowing that the creator of the universe is holding me, has hope for me, has goodness for me. Even that message that Rachel shared, or that scripture Rachel shared, Micah 7, 7, I watch in hope for the Lord. What are we looking for? Is it the Lord or is it what he'll bring? I wait for God, my salvation. My God will hear me. And and I think Satan (laughs) was right in saying, do they love you for you or do they love you for what you'll give them? I want to love God for God. I want to love him for who he is, that he, that he chose to make himself known to us, that he chose this way of loving kindness and faithfulness to us. And, and what ends up happening beautifully in the story of Job is that Job does come to desire God. He's like, God, all I need is you. And and the one thing that I haven't yet yeah, read out is... Um, God speaks to Job and he really sarcastically puts him in his place. We, we talked about it really quickly at word night. And um, yeah, we we're saying how, yeah, because God says this one thing. He says a few things. Where is it? It's in um, Job 40. Is that where it is? Maybe it's in 38. Yeah, 38. Then the Lord spoke to Job. So there's chapters and chapters and chapters of people questioning God and um, there's this one guy that comes along and he's got a lot of wisdom and it's great. Like I said, you've got to read it for yourself, Elihu or Elihu, Um, the young one. Anyway, so God comes along and says, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Oh, can you imagine that? You'd be like, no, no. Oh, (laughs) I lost my shoe. (laughs) Yeah, just running. Leave your shoe. Leave your shoe, Cinderella, go. Um, It's so... It's so necessary for us when we're in a place of pity, self-pity, it is so necessary for us to remember who God is. His might, His power, His sovereignty, what He deserves. I think um, we get so caught up in what God owes us that we forget, that we forget what He's done and we forget what what He's worthy of. He... He deserves all authority, all honour and all praise from us, right? He demands it. His presence demands it because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the life that we live, it says in what one? Live a life worthy of the call. I commend you, live a life worthy of the call. Live a life worthy of you knowing that you were made by God and he has a purpose for you. And there's a way that you can live according to that purpose and that call. Like, yeah, sometimes I'm upset that maybe God hasn't done something. But he's the creator of the universe and his plans are not only good, but they are sovereign. I know that he gets likened to that of the Queen or the President or our Prime Minister. I don't know how many people would honour our Prime Minister if he walked in the room. But maybe we'd honour the Queen um, or the King. Oops. (laughs) Maybe we'd honour the Queen a lot if she walked in. (laughs) We're like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. What are you doing here? (laughs) and i think what i think why we get um what's the right word we look intrinsically when we're going through suffering and why we don't immediately trust in god is because there's a few lies that surround suffering i think that the enemy tries to bring on us and one of them is that we've done something wrong and so this is why this is happening um Sometimes that is the case. I'm not speaking for every situation. We can't blindly live doing whatever we want and then say, oh, no, now I'm experiencing suffering, yet I've done nothing wrong to bring it upon myself. Sometimes we have. I've had situations where I've done something wrong and I've endured suffering because of it. But sometimes suffering happens that God may be glorified. Um, And we can't buy into the lie that, oh, you know what? I was doing so much better last year. My relationship with God was pristine. I was reading the word and in prayer and I had so much faith for things. And now this has happened and I I feel really terrible about myself. My faith has completely dropped off. Um, and so I, you know, this suffering, something's happened and I've done something wrong. And yet <laughs> God is gracious and kind and forgiving and he, he understands us. He understands Job even when he was, you know, God was being a little bit sarcastic and reminding Job who he was. So you must remember that um, God can be glorified in your suffering. God will be glorified in your suffering. It says in John 9 verses 1 to 3, there's a blind man. And the, disi- the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're, again, slipping into that good people have good lives and bad people or people that have sinned must have, you know, consequences that happen to occur in a bad life. And, but Jesus challenges it and he says, neither this man or his parents, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This happened, this blindness, this endured suffering has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then Jesus classically, iconically spits in the dirt makes up a little paste of mud, smears it on the man's eyes, sends him off to wash it off. And when he washes it off, he can see. And then people say, who healed you? And he's like, well, I couldn't really see. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Nah, but then he's like, no, it was Jesus. (laughs) Jokes. Good one. Good one, blind guy. Um... Or the other thing that happens. So we either freak out thinking that we've done something wrong or we just get frantic full stop. Um, We go like, what's going on? Where is God? What's God doing? What's God saying? I'm enduring suffering. I don't know what's going on. What do I do? What's my response here? Um, But again, Jesus shows us that great suffering can bring great glory to God. And I love that. So... I was thinking about what suffering is, like if we were to to define suffering and I guess there is a lengthiness to it, if it's only short we might not call it suffering, like if you say there was um, none of my favourite tea at the supermarket today (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know when it's coming back in stock. You know, that that's made, like, yes, it, it's a there's a time frame on that and there's a waiting on that, but I wouldn't necessarily call it suffering because we sort of know that the supermarket will restock it, right? But I think suffering refers to a circumstance that we can't save ourselves from. I think that that's what we sort of umbrella over suffering is no one or nothing can save me from this. It would take sort of an impossible situation to save me from my suffering. And then I wrote, essentially, it's perfect for Christians. (laughs) Suffering is perfect for believers because we have met the (laughs) Saviour. Nothing and no one can save us Except the Savior. <laughs> and it doesn't mean he'll do it immediately. He doesn't, it doesn't mean that he'll do it according to our terms. It does mean that he will do it and that he will do it according to his terms. Maybe in eternity, maybe tomorrow. But in the meantime, we have someone to trust in. And not just anyone, the greatest guarantor of life. The greatest um, dependence that we could ever build on is our Saviour Jesus. Salvation belongs to our God and no one else. Um, 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7 talks about humbling ourselves before God. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And I love this connection that it draws between humbling yourself, reminding yourself that you are not God, but reminding yourself that he is God and he is mighty and he is all powerful. But it's tied to casting your cares on him. Therefore, humble yourselves that he may exalt you, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And this means not holding on to the things so tightly that we're waiting to see, that we're waiting to be delivered from, but instead casting them on Him. Everything that we are caring about, everything that is taking up mental space, everything that we are, you know, bringing to Him in prayer, casting it on Him, casting them upon Him for He cares for us. Letting God be God and letting us trust in who He is. And I love this picture of humility because... Um, I once heard someone say, humble yourself, otherwise God will do it. (laughs) And we see this in Job. (laughs) God says, surely you were there when the the earth was being laid. Um, Surely you know how the whole earth works, and that's why you're now darkening my counsel with your words without wisdom. But um, it's so much better if we choose to remember who God is So that he doesn't have to remind us. Because that's a very humbling experience. Um, That's why I love Psalm 103. A lot of you would know it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And to be completely honest, this is what's helped me through the hard stuff. Is saying... I'm finite in what I'm able to do. I'm limited in what I'm able to do. I'm even limited in what I'm able to believe that God's capable of. But I'm, I'm dealing with an unlimited, exponentially powerful God here. Um, I'm calling on him to come and move in my situation. And that means anything is on the table right now. He is able to do whatever he wants. And he's willing to do whatever he wants but he is able to do whatever he wants and I I love to bring to my memory you know what that person in church shared this testimony of what God has done and that could either make me say why hasn't that happened for me or I could say God (laughs) you've done that for them praise you because you are who I think you are, you are good, you do deliver, you do heal, you do restore, you vindicate, you redeem God and that's who you are, (laughs) you are who I thought you are, you are who I hope you are, (laughs) thanks Case, Um, you are who I trust you to be God, thank you, (laughs) thank you for that testimony. It prophesies Jesus' goodness. It prophesies that what he endured was worth something, right? That he brings hope to our life like nothing else and no one else can. Oh, and he is so acquainted with grief and with pain that he understands when we're upset. And like, he doesn't have to, but he does. And I think, and I was thinking about this. I'm going to have a little sip. I'm getting empty. Oh, that's cool now. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about, if we look at the suffering that Jesus endured, we might really quickly write it off as saying, well, that's really nice for Jesus. (laughs) That would be a bit of a rough thing to say. It's more so, we might (laughs) more likely say something like, um, no wonder Jesus had to go through that suffering. It's because it had a really big reason. There was a really big purpose to why he went to the cross, why God did not take that cup of suffering away from him, right? We can see that there was a purpose to why Jesus had to do what he, he did um, to a limit of our understanding. But I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, is it different for you? When you endure suffering and hardship, do you not see that there's a big reason behind it as well? That there is a God, heaven, kingdom purpose behind what you're going through? And it is not apart from your purpose that you endure suffering and see hardship and question God. It is not a break from your purpose to have this side quest where we go through something really tough and then come back to the now I'm full of faith and now I'm reading the word and now I'm in prayer and and my relationship with God looks good. You know, that's not the measure of our life God doesn't just want us to be good followers. He wants us to see through everything who He is, His sovereignty, His power. um, And He wants our our trust in Him to have strong layers to it, strong foundations, so that when when we're questioned of God's goodness, we're like, yeah, but I, I know you're thinking that, but. I've seen him do this and I've seen him do this and he didn't necessarily do what I asked. He did better. Um, he didn't do what they even asked, but he did better. And your testimony of God doesn't just have to be yours. You can borrow from other people's lives as well. You can take from people in the Bible. You can take from people in this room. You can take from people that you've seen God work in their lives, even when they haven't had any, any trust in him or any faith in him. But you can see that he's, in, he's at work that he's good. So let God be glorified in our suffering. <laughs> I, if anything good is going to come from my suffering, surely I would choose that God be glorified because then, then all can see, then the earth can see and can testify of my God, of my Savior and my King. I, um, I wanted to show you, um, this came up on, Dad's shared before, this guy on Instagram called Ian Simpkins. Um, so he shared this This fun little experiment that they did in Arizona, Jesse, that picture of biosphere. So, um, this was something that got built in Oracle, Arizona, in the 90s. Um, It was an experiment. For two years, scientists locked themselves in this artificial environment in Arizona. (laughs) The mission was to serve as a center for research, outreach, teaching and learning about Earth and its living systems. To this day, it is the largest closed system ever created. Pretty cool. Inside their self-sustaining community, they created a number of mini environments, including a desert, a rainforest and even an ocean. Now, the trees inside Biosphere 2 grew rapidly, more rapidly than they did outside of the dome, but they also fell over before reaching maturation. After looking at the root systems and outer layers of bark, the scientists came to realise they were missing one crucial element, wind. Over time, the effects of the windless environment became apparent. Without the stress of wind to strengthen the wood and the roots, the trees grew weak and they could not hold up their own weight. If we're honest, a lot of us want to live in a biosphere kind of life, sheltered, protected from hardship, struggle, pain or doubt and I completely understand the desire but something happens to us when we do. I wonder if it's in the storms that God does his best work because when the winds blow strongest our roots grow deepest and that will ultimately lead to the life we're meant for. I know, how encouraging, how encouraging, and we're out there like, ah, (laughs) thank you God for my strong roots, (laughs) so in that vein, I want to read to you from James 1, 2 to 8, the best, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, testing faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, let him ask of God, who gives all to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Sometimes it's hard, But we can believe we can do it. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, but in a bad way, tossed by the wind. Um, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, do we, in suffering, go to the Lord? Or do we go to other things first and let God be a last resort? Do we get to God when we're desperate and we've tried everything else? Every other comfort, we've run dry. And so now we're like, oh, I better ask God now because I can't do it myself anymore. I've reached a point of desperation. To be honest, I think that this happens and you don't need to be ashamed of when this happens. But what we can learn from this and what I've learned from this is going to God first. To you, Lord, I call to you, O Lord, I call, not to the other things, not on the other things or the other people. I've got people in my life that I call when I'm facing a certain situation in a certain area because they know about it, right? Like Uncle Bruce. So many of us will call Uncle Bruce if we've got a situation (laughs) because he's like a fix it kind of guy. He will fix stuff. Um, I had a question about like physics this week and so I asked my dad and I was like, what do you think about this? And we just like had to talk about it, had to think about it. So God is all-knowing and all-powerful and has wisdom in every situation and yet we forget that he's an expertise kind of God (laughs) and we go for the comforts sometimes. I think it's good to ask ourselves why we do that. Maybe we think that God will ask something of us that we're not willing to give. Maybe we think that he'll blame us. Maybe we believe that he'll, you know, reprimand us, tell us off, point out things in our lives that we need to fix. But remember who God is. Remember that he is loving. He vindicates. He restores and redeems. And above all else, he loves you with an everlasting love. It's unconditional That means the conditions of the situations that you bring to him don't cause his love to be in question for you. They don't pause his love ever. His love is bigger and better than any love we've ever faced, any love we'll ever know. So I have three dot points for when we are suffering. (laughs) Number one, remember who God is and where he is. He is close and he is good. Number two, remain in prayer. And in brackets, complaining counts. (laughs) You're allowed to complain. If you feel like complaining, do it in prayer. Don't go, well, I feel like complaining or I'm angry right now. I'm not allowed to pray. No, you are allowed. I've given you permission. (laughs) Let it let it spill out. And I feel like God is so beautiful in those times to just come and remind us who he is so lovingly. Lily, you can join me. And number three, eyes on the prize, allow God to be glorified. (laughs) Because he will be glorified. In the darkest, in the depths, he will be glorified through our trust in him and our dependence on him. The other beautiful thing about suffering is that it tests our dedication. We're talking about being people of dedication in church at the moment. And I was thinking about it and we talked about it at Word a few weeks ago. I said that there will be likely three instances where we are dedicated to someone. One of them is that maybe it's someone that we're tied to whether we like it or not, like a family member. There's a kind of dedication that comes when it comes to flesh and blood, right? We're like, well, I'm stuck with you in life. So I have this kind of dedication. I sort of owe it to you to like ask how you're doing, um, check on you every now and then, lend you money. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. There's this, yeah, we're flesh and blood. So we sort of have this half dedication. The other is the kind where you see something in someone and it can benefit you. So you offer dedication um, as a means to get something in return. It's a business deal kind of dedication. And we can really easily do these with God, right? Saying, well, God, you exist. You're always going to be there. So I guess I sort of owe you something. I'm stuck with you. I want to keep coming to church. I want to keep um, getting from this community. So I guess I've got this kind of dedication. Or God, you, you're able to do really good things. I've seen some people in this church talk about it. And so I, I want to buy in to this. Like, what have I got to give? It's like the rich young ruler. What do I have to do? to get to heaven? What do I have to do to to like, you know, get something? But the third kind of dedication is when it's eyes on them and you're like, I see something in you and I I want it, but not in a I want to receive it kind of way, but I just want to be able to see it. I want to look at it. I want to bask in it. I want to celebrate it because it's better than anything I've ever experienced. It's better than anything I've tasted and seen before. This is a kind of goodness that I can't find anywhere else and so I'm dedicated to this. And I'm not only dedicated to it for me, I'm dedicated to it for others because I want them to see because they are without hope, they are without um, love, they are without light. And so I wanna be able to access this way I want to access God's ways so that others might also come and be redeemed and be restored to that that they so desire. I'm going to just look for a scripture I read this morning. Excuse me for a second. I think it's Ellie who... So this is back in Job. It's in um, chapter 35. And he's he's asking of them. Ellie, who is asking of them? Um, you say, I'm in the right, not God. Yet you ask him, what profit is it to me? And what do I gain by not sinning? What do I even get from this living a good life, living it according to God's ways sort of thing? And he says, look up at the heavens and see, gaze at the clouds so high above you. If you sin, how does that affect him? How does it affect God really if you sin? If your sins are many, what does that do to him? If you're righteous, what do you give to him or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness only affects humans like yourself. And your righteousness only other people. So the good life that we live isn't even to make God feel good about Himself, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't affect Him. It, it pleases Him. It pleases Him, but we're not there trying to earn His gaze. We are there to live the life. We are doing this to live the life He made us for, to enjoy, so that others might also come, taste and see of His goodness There's so much more to be said, but I trust that the Holy Spirit will say it to you. So let suffering produce surrender and trust like nothing else can. Let the wind blow and produce beautiful, strong roots in you. If you don't mind standing with me this morning, we'll just finish. (laughs) Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, show us how we can count it all joy when we endure much, even if it's for your namesake, God. There probably are instances where we just want to run away, knowing that, you know, we're in this because we chose your ways, God. And so we're tempted to just forsake it all so that life is easy again or life's more comfortable again. But God, we don't wanna turn from your ways. We know that with you are the words of life, God. Where else could we go? Where else, to who else would we go, Lord? With you are the words of life. With you is the way of life, God. Life apart from you is dark and desperate and hopeless, God. And though we might experience times of desperation and hopelessness, God, we know the one from where we get our hope and where we get our trust and where we get our strength and who can be our shield, God, and it is You. God, when we need saving, we know the Saviour and it is You. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen those today that are in desperate need of being strengthened, God. Would you equip them? Would you surround them? Would they be reminded? And would they have a song to sing that blesses you in the sanctuary, blesses you when the weapon is forming, blesses you when it costs them, God? in every chance that they get, that they'll bless your name knowing full well that you are the God who saves, the God who delivers, the God who vindicates, the God who in in suffering will be glorified and will bring all things together for our good, for those who trust you, Lord, and who love you. Thank you, Father. May we forget not all your benefits, but may we equip ourselves with what you're able to do and equip ourselves with how powerful and majestic and worthy you are, God. Lord, help the lies not to speak, but help our faith to speak. God, would you just strengthen our faith in times of need? Strengthen us, strengthen us. Thank you, Lord, that you are our greatest defence and our greatest strength at any given moment, no matter what life brings. And Lord, may we choose to live the, the good life, live in your ways so that you may be glorified and so that others would see. And just free us from our own works and feeling like we can earn our place. And God, free us to, to trust in you and, and free us to submit to your Lordship. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Let it be, God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.